And I don't know if you guys totally grasp what you were just hearing about the church in Haiti and hearing from Pastor Abraham, but um, like it's not often that you get to hear about a church plant that launches at 1400. It's not often that you get to hear about three baptisms in six months and over whatever it is, 50 to 60 people baptized and, and uh, tons of people pouring in and wanting to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. And uh, praise be to God that's going on down in Haiti. Love that we're able to have a partnership there and, and a ministry with them and get to know them more and, and uh, get to love them all the more all the time. And uh, good to have you with us, Abraham. And uh, good to have you guys with us as well. And uh, love having you guys here and hearing your story and your life story of what's going on. So uh, we take a deep breath. Ready? Real. Deep breath. We're at the end of Romans. <laughs> Romans 16. We're uh, last chapter. We're going to cover the whole chapter today. And uh, we're going to walk through this. Paul is taking a deep breath himself. And as he's closing out this passage, gospel deep, his glory lived out. He's got a few challenges for the people. He's like, hey, here's some things. Let me model for you what should be going on in a healthy ministry. When one church is helping plant another church, when relationships are going on across uh, lands and across waters and How do we keep up relationship? How do we take care of things? How do we live wisely? That's a lot of what he's talking about here. So turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 16, verse 1. Romans 16, verse 1. Let's figure out how to live wisely today uh, as churches across many boundaries, all right? We've got ushers coming forward with Bibles in their hands. And uh, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Romans 16, verse 1 is where we're at. And uh, the first step... Encourage the dedicated. Encourage the dedicated. There are people laying it on the line all the time. And uh, how do we come alongside of them? Well, encourage them. And uh, just so you know, this past week, as Pastor Steve said, we were up north at a thing called Harvest University. It's where uh, all the harvests come together with their key leaders and staff. And, and we do some training time and some relationship building and some laughing together and Quite frankly, some crying together as we talk through some different situations that are going on. And, uh, man, this past week, uh, I heard about more hurt going on in the church at large than maybe I've ever heard before. And uh, one pastor I was talking to uh, got diagnosed uh, last year right after our senior pastor retreat. We got away together to do some praying together and some learning together. And, and uh, they had a few of us get up front and share about what it means to suffer And uh, what it means to suffer physically and how you go through that. And there's a few of us that have been going through some things. And and, uh, you all know my story. Well, that guy went home and uh, just feeling kind of a little not good. You know, a little nausea, a little pain, not sure what it was. And and it ended up being a pretty heavy case of lymphoma, like a five-inch, as nobody said, like a five-inch tumor in the chest that needed to be addressed. And and, uh, a lot going on there. He's been in chemo treatments for the last six to nine months. I said, man, how you feeling? You look like you're doing well. And he's, he's like six, six. I'm like, how you feeling? You look like you're doing well. And he's like, I gotta be honest. This is the first time that I've been standing, uh, for more than five minutes at a time in probably three months. And, uh, normally I'd be sitting on a bench, sitting on a stool. And, and another guy came up to me and grabbed me and said, you have no idea what it meant as we talked through that last year. And you shared where you were at, uh, I just was diagnosed with uh, type 2 diabetes. It's going nuts, and I'm 
losing my vision and, and uh, trying to figure some things out there and, and uh, a couple other churches that were just going through people struggles. And uh, amazingly, when you put more than two people in a room, you're going to have a struggle sooner or later. You know what I mean? And uh, church, man, it's filled with some physical struggles and it's filled with some relationship struggles. And, and how do we do this battle together? And um, Paul's like, encourage the dedicated. He starts out, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant at the church at, uh, are you ready? I commend to you a, a woman who's been doing a ton of work at Centria. This is a church that's about eight miles from uh, Corinth, and uh, she's been laying it on the line uh, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. This woman, Phoebe, laying it on the line, man. She's a dedicated person. She was helping out a ton. In fact, it says welcomer. So many think maybe she was the deliverer of this letter, carrying it along with her. And uh, it says, I commend to you. Like, I praise her. I appreciate her. And I ask you to take care of her. That's what commend means. All right. And uh, make sure you're lifting up the people that you know of that are killing it for Christ. And make sure you're making sure they're cared for. Uh, that's what Paul's modeling here. It says, our sister, everybody say that means saved. She's saved. She's trusting Christ as her savior, Phoebe, a servant at the church at Centria. And uh, this word in the original language is a word uh, that also was used for the word deacon. Uh, it meant to serve. It literally meant to serve. All right. And over time, it changed from being a definition of a role you played. Oh, they served last night to a title. They became a server, a deacon. The word in the original language is sounds a lot like it. It's diakonoi and deacon. Right. And so they moved from a role to a title with the use of that word. That means when you see the word, you have to try to figure out, OK, is this one of those times where they're just kind of playing the role of serving or did they actually carry a title of deacon? And uh, what was going on with that? And some would want to say, yeah, this is a great example of the first female deacon. And others want to say, no, this is a great example of someone who served Christ well. And that's all that was meant by the word. And, and uh, where do you stand, Tim? Well, let me just read this to you and you tell me then where I should stand. First uh, Timothy 3, verses 11 and 12, talking about the uh, requirements or qualifications of a deacon. And uh, here's one of them. Their wives must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. One of the requirements of a deacon is that their wife needs to have it together. Uh, here's another one that comes right after it. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife. So what's one thing we could learn from those couple of verses? Right? We see the deacons, there's a maleness to that that's going on. That's something that God calls out. We're not going to go into that here and now. We can talk about that at another time. But God does use uh, some models of headship. Uh, that does not mean that there is a, this is not a statement of inability. Everybody hear me on that? Like there are a lot of women who knock it out for Christ. And there's something else he's calling us to when he's calling for this headship thing. And it isn't necessarily trying to call out the highest ability. It's not that. 
He's calling out some kind of modeling of Christ over the church and then, and then responsibility downward in. And so he's calling for, uh, male leadership and eldership, pastorship, deaconship. And, uh, please hear me on this. There's a lot of very, very capable women in this room who knock it out for Christ. Fully capable of leading and teaching and shepherding into their ministries and making an impact for Christ. We have people being saved because of the role of women in the church and huge and important and valuable. And so somehow we work with Christ to say, okay, so we're not always about the highest ability. There is some headship modeling going on and we trust you in that. And, and for that reason, I'll just say, I think this deaconship thing is a role. Uh, probably not a title. Otherwise, the qualifications in First Timothy just got blown up. Okay? And that's a problem to me. Uh, hopefully, you see why that would be a problem. Okay? Some of you are looking at me like, I don't know if I care. I'm thinking pancakes after lunch. Maybe. I don't know. I'm, think, I'm not sure what I'm thinking about right now. Let's move on. Okay, good. Let's move on. And... Uh, so he commends Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever way she may need from you. Welcome her and help her. Top two things you should do with someone who you know and love, who does a ton of ministry, and, and they're coming to your ground, and welcome them and love on them and help them out. And uh, we've had people just kind of rallying around uh, these guys here. We've had seven guys from Haiti, and I know there's been a lot of different rallies. I know we did some dinner on Thursday night, and there was uh, some dinner on Friday night and Saturday as well. We had some training from the elders on Thursday, and there's just been a lot of super relationship. With, uh, I hear you guys went to Bass Pro. All right. I don't see it here, but I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be here. Take them to Bass Pro. I don't know. And, uh, hey man, it is about welcoming and partnering and taking care of. And that's a variety of different needs and ways and shapes and forms and whatever that looks like. And let's take care of the people that are taking care of us. That's what he's saying. All right. And, uh, ministry, it's a battle. We better partner together and care well for each other. Okay. And, uh, he says, now, here's a list of greetings that go off. Are you ready? Greet, that means like, say, hey. Okay? That, that's what it means, literally. It's like, hey. And uh, so make sure you're welcoming, saying hello to and including. And then he gives a list of people. And uh, so we're not going to go through every name in detail, but here's a few at the beginning that are a big deal. Usually when you start out, your list kind of starts out huge, like Phoebe, probably the one bringing the letter. If not that, then certainly had a huge impact in everybody's life around there for that season. And now he says, greet Prisca and Aquila. And uh, Prisca, that's actually a variation of form for the name Priscilla. That's the one we see in, in uh, Acts 18. And uh, this couple had a huge relationship with Paul. It says, my fellow workers in Christ. Uh, Aquila was kicked out of Rome for being Jewish. And uh, Claudius was like, get out. We're done with the Jews around here. Get them out of here. And so he took off. He went to Corinth. He ended up running into Paul and Priscilla and Aquila working with Paul being tent makers. They were fellow workers. They made tents together and sold them and used that money to fund their life and ministry as well as funding ministry around them. And then they also walked around and helped Paul and shared Christ and had a huge role both in the tangible, physical, earthly ministry and in sharing about Jesus Christ. They were fellow workers. He's like, say hey to them. Uh, they were huge and instrumental in my life and apparently they're now back in Rome. 
right? And so somehow things got uh, eased up and they were able to go back home. And uh, these guys from Corinth head back. It says, my fellow workers in Christ who uh, risked their necks for my life. I got to be honest, when I first read that, I was like, really? They used that phrase back then. It doesn't seem like that would be possible. So I looked up the actual original language, and this is what it says. Uh, the original language is, they put their necks under for my soul. All right? That's what it actually means. And it probably plays on the uh, idea of when you did something really wrong in Rome. You know what I'm saying? And like down on the neck and off comes the head and, and they put their necks under for my soul. Like they laid their neck down right there for, they were standing up for me. They did ministry for me in an area that could have cost them everything. And they were there with me. Praise be to God. And, uh, they, he made a huge impact in Paul's life. And, uh, he's just like, Hey, at least say hey to them, right? Tell them thanks for me and uh, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. They stood up and represented. Uh, Question, how are you doing with knowing and understanding what's going on in your community and taking a stand no matter the cost that Christ might be glorified and the kingdom might be furthered? That's who these guys were. On the line for my king. And uh, he says, greet. What's that mean? Exactly. It's difficult, isn't it? He says, greet also the church in their house. These dudes had a big house, didn't they? And uh, apparently the tent making ministry went well. And uh, so they had a home and they had a church in their home. In fact, the literal there is the church that's broken down in your home. And so it could be that there's a big church just in the church at Rome, right? There's usually a church per city. Uh, they didn't try to come up with crafty, creative names like Harvest Bible, right? It was the church at, and then you give the city name and that's it. It's the name of your church. Church. It's the name of it. We're the church. I'm the church at Corinth. I'm the church at Ephesus. I'm the church in Galatia. I'm the church in Peoria. And a whole nother day, whole nother talk about what about when there's 500 churches and they all are believing in the same Christ. And maybe that's not the way it should be. And uh, man, we've got a unity thing that we need to be working on. And uh, I get the idea of city breakdowns and access points and how many people can you actually bring together in one site. And I get all that. Uh, Here, they were bringing them to a house. And a big house, probably in the neighborhood of hundreds, were meeting at the house. And there were numbers of these all around. And as the church continues to grow in a massive city like Rome, you're going to have issue. You know what I mean? And so, yes, there were churches meeting in homes. And no, they weren't independent, separate, and not saying anything to the other church down the block that was also meeting in a home. Okay? A lot of unity. Everybody say unity. Unity. This is not a message of disunity. Okay? And uh, just provision. Nice of them to open their space because at that point there were not buildings available. Okay. So, and say hey to the church in their house. We, I don't know how many hundreds of people we just numbered with that. Greet my beloved Eponidas. Have you ever wondered? Like, man, this is a lot of people being saved and it's amazing what's going on and person after person coming to Christ and whole families coming to Christ and like, who was the first guy and 
Greet Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. That's got to be an awesome label, right? Like somewhere in Asia, somebody's sharing with them. He believes and they're like, hang on, hang on. Yep, you're the first. He's like, yeah, baby. I'm the first one who came to Christ. Let me go home and tell my family now and let's see who accepts Christ now. And, and everything goes out from there. And what a privilege to be able to have heard and trusted and been the first one to trust. He carries the label. Hey, do you know Eponidas? You know, the first convert of Asia. Like that's written on him somewhere, you know, and everybody knows and recognizes he's the dude who got it first in all of Asia. Praise be to God. And uh, it says, greet Mary, who was. Uh, who has worked hard for you, literally toiled uh, is the word there. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. So Paul knew them in prison, right? And so these are people he sat side by side with because they shared Christ and things went awry in that town. And Paul is able to do life with them and partner with them and pray for them and continue to say, hey, say hey to them. We did some time together, right? And uh, all for the name of Christ. And uh, it says, they are well known to the apostles and they were in Christ before me. Like they got who Jesus Christ was before Paul did. And they were mature in their walk and they were in prison for their commitment to the Savior. And uh, dedication. Every one of these names laying it on the line for their Savior. And uh, Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. All right. Anybody who is currently with child, just start writing down with your pen. Cool names. You can name your kid. I'm just saying Aristobulus has to be up there pretty high. And... uh Greet my kinsmen, Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Doesn't that mean self-absorbed? Right? Have you heard that? So what a bummer of a name, right? The guy is, not, I don't know what he did when he was born that the family raises him up and goes, I shall name this one self-absorbed, <laughs> right? And, uh, but he's going through with that name in life and now trusts Christ and what a contrast his name is to what he's doing and who he's following and praise be to God for that. And, uh, greet those workers in the Lord, uh, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus chosen in the Lord. Also his mother who has been a mother to me as well. Imagine that one. Rufus and he comes over to Paul. And he's like, dude, you got to come over to dinner He's like, what are you talking about? Mom wants you over to dinner, man I'm just telling you mom said you got to get to dinner. She's killing me come to dinner, please And and mom's like you tell that young man to get over here Right. It's time for us to she's like a mother to me, right? Paul's like she's taking care of me in my times of need and she's reaching out and yeah Rufus and mom say hey to them and uh, they've been huge and instrumental in my life and uh, greet asyncretus Flagon Hermes You're writing down names for your kids And uh, it just keeps going on right Hermes and the brothers who are with them greet uh, Philologus Julia 
Nereus and his sister and Olympus. Now there's a Greek name, right? And Olympus, where'd that guy come from? He was definitely born in Rome, right? This guy's got it going on. He's named after a Greek God and, uh, and all the saints who are with them greet one another with a holy kiss. Oh, here we go. He's going to take, he's going to take some time to make us turn around and kiss each other. And, uh, no, no, I'm not. And, uh, so what does this mean? Greet one another with a kiss. Why do we not greet one another with a holy kiss here in this church? Like how come when we're done and Larry gets done praying and he's like, why don't you turn and greet those around you? Why don't we just kind of lay it on? What are we doing? Aren't we going to follow what the scripture says? And, and uh, just so you know, uh, here's the rule behind following what scripture says. Okay. When scripture gives a theological purpose and statement behind it, connected to it, it doesn't ever change. I don't care what culture's doing. Okay. So how about this one? Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake forgave you. Is it ever going to change that God's forgiven you through Jesus Christ's work on the cross? Okay. Theologically rock solid. And so, yes, we are called to the forgiving forever. Okay. I don't care what culture is. Christ forgave me. And that theological rock is set. And so now I'm following through all the time. Okay. When we end up with these that are more cultural, like greet one another with a kiss and it's not tied to a theological thing. It's what they did. So I actually looked this up. Like how many places still greet with a kiss? South America does Latin America. As long as it's not male to male, that's good to know. Right. And, uh, hate to get in Latin America and then try that and then get very misunderstood. And so (laughs) Europe And uh, Europe is uh, very strong in this in certain areas. Uh, The Mediterranean, some of the Middle East, all right? And typically it ends up being like a kiss that goes not just one side. I'll do it with my wife. It'll work better than Mike. I'm going to come over here. All right. And uh, it would go kind of one side like this and then one side like this. And, And some places will even go a couple. They'll do like this. And they'll go a couple times over, right? And, uh... It's tender, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, so greet one another with a holy kiss. And, and so notice the word holy is in there. He's like, greet one another with a kiss. But remember, you're greeting your family who has been bought by the blood of Christ. Holy kiss. Recognize them for who they are. And uh, that's great. And, and uh, so that's not really culture in the U.S. And it's certainly not culture in Asia. And so what goes on? Okay, Mike, your turn. So in our culture, it's like the bro hug, right? Let's turn so everybody can see here. Ready? So it's like, do this kind of thing, right? And so uh, just so you know, scripture says, greet one another with a bro hug. <laughs> All right. It's like, what's common to your culture and coming up and you're like, hey, how's it going, man? Good to see you, dude. And, and you're like, that that's biblical. Okay. We're not missing it because we didn't make out. Okay. <laughs> you can... Just so you know, it's a big deal. Greet one another with a kiss is great, with a holy kiss. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but it's just meant to be a cultural thing. And so if the culture of that community is that, then go after it. There are some churches that want this to be their culture, and that's their choice. I'm not going to say that's wrong at all. It's their choice. But I'm just saying, I think the point here is actually to say, how does the culture communicate hello to one another? Do that. 
and know that it's because of what Christ has done for you. And so it isn't unbiblical to greet one another with the holy bro hug. Okay. And uh, we're getting it. It's very clear and it's very cool to be able to do that. Seriously, it's like be warm and friendly and inviting. And uh, you might even want to put on the tag of it and don't be weird. Okay. And uh, just so you know, in Asia, you would never do the bro hug. And you would never do the kiss. Those are both offensive. And so there you do what they call the why. You put your hands like this and you, and you bow a little bit. Okay. And so this is how you would greet one another. And that's a very appropriate and respectful greeting there. And uh, so it's pretty important to understand your culture. And uh, all right. Make sure that you reach out to those around you culturally relevant, reaching out to them and saying, hey. That's what this passage is calling to. All right. And uh, all the churches of Christ greet you. And a uh, huge deal. Huge deal. We have, uh, um, we have an opportunity for us constantly to partner in church planting. We are not just a church that was planted. We are a church that also plants other churches. And we're excited to be a part of that ministry. Amen. And uh, we will always be looking for those opportunities. And praise God, we had a chance to partner with Haiti as they were an existing church, but wanting to become a harvest down there and go after some things with the DNA of harvest and excited to have those guys a part of it. And you look at all these greets and it would be like reflecting on the relationships we've built down there and like saying to Abraham, hey, Abraham, say hey to Dave Locke, right? Dave's so instrumental in your church and some impact that he's had. And Dave was one of the early guys, a part of helping launch with you guys doing the, the, uh, the care for the orphans and being able to launch you really even into your relationship with Harvest and say hey to Dave Locke and, or, or how about say hey to, uh, the four brothers. Right. And some of us know who we're talking about. And uh, they did a lot of translating for us, dude. I don't know what we would have done without them on with. How do you order pizza in Haiti when you don't know what to say? Right. And these guys are sitting with us and walking around with us. And, you know, Michael and Josu and Schneider and and I'm missing one and Kenley. Right. And those guys were a big deal relationship for a lot of us, especially our high schoolers. I know a lot of them are still hooked in with them through Facebook and talking and say hey to them, man. And, uh, and to Matt, who's like working in the clinic or getting ready to, I don't even know where that whole thing is at, but going to be working with the clinic and taking care of things down there. And I know he was a part of our first high school group going down and doing some interaction and some key names of ministry that took place and say, Hey to them and, and man, make sure they're cared for. And if you need anything to help care for them, you let us know that's what's going on here. Okay. And, uh, so here's the question for you. Who? Has God placed in your life where you're like, man, I need to thank them for what God's doing. Maybe it's an impact group leader. Maybe it's a pastor who's been doing something for you or an elder, or maybe it's, maybe it's just a friend who's come alongside of you and do take advantage of encouraging those who have laid it on the line for Christ, thanking them for their role in your life and making sure they're cared for along the way, dedicated to Christ is an unusual thing. Look for those who are, thank them big, and by the way, start following their model. You get dedicated for Christ as well and laying it on the line that God might be glorified. All right? That's the first. Second, avoid the divisive. 
avoid the divisive. Says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. I appeal to you. Now, we've heard that word several times over from Paul. I appeal. He's used it three or four times throughout. And in fact, you see it right back in 15, uh, just over on the left side of my page. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord and by the love of the Spirit to strive together in prayer for me. So it's the same way he talked about the need for prayer. He's now talking about this. I appeal to you. I plead with you. I long for you to do this, brothers. Watch out. Okay. Get your eyes open. Get your discerning hat on. Some of you are like, oh, discernment is not my thing. Get a friend who's discerning. And uh, be careful. Watch out. For those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. They cause division. They come in and they're like, yeah, I know you heard Jesus is the only way, but I think there's other ways. And let me explain to you why. And or or, you know what? Yeah, the word of God, I I know what you're saying and you want to lean on that. But I'm telling you. Don't trust in God's word in quotes. I think this is just up for for us to kind of read through and say how we feel about it. And just so you know, in our modern day setting, this would be things like watch out for uh, a term like the emergent church. Some of you may know what that word means. Some of you may not, but they basically are on this plan. There is such a relative expression of our walk with Christ that there is no absolute truth. It's just, hey man, what's it mean to you? And and so how do you go through this? What's it say to you? What voice do you want to put on the paper to make history here? And uh, gag. I'm just telling you, guys that are teaching you that somehow it's all about the experiential and it's not about the absolute truth of God's word, watch out. Okay? And uh, Or or here's another one we hear a lot. Uh, Hey, be careful with being judgmental. And uh, Jesus is the only way. Mm, I don't know about that, man. You got to be careful with that. And and, and so there's this acceptance in a broader sense. And and so a trying to be loving so much so that we've dropped truth. Okay. And that when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life, no one comes to the father, but by me, that's a problem. That's a problem with that statement. And it may feel loving to try to be accepting of all, but I'm just telling you this, if they're rejecting Jesus Christ and his authority, that's an issue and they need to deal with it. Okay. Let's call them to that. Do not set the word down and try to lift up some giant teaching going on around the area. Um, Or how about this? Forget about the reading of scripture and doing what it says. Just pray and let God speak to you privately and whatever he tells you. And don't worry about checking it with anyone. Just pray and God will move you to go do. And look, I'm not against any kind of powerful prayer experience, but this whole contemplative God speaks to me alone, separate from the word. And I don't need the word at all. And I'll never check with it anyway. You know, down with that plan. Okay. Be careful. Watch out. There are people walking around trying to teach things like there is no hell. Down with that plan. Scripture's pretty clear. And eternity is in the balance. 
And watch out for those who are teaching a doctrine contrary to what you've been taught to trust in Christ. That's what he's talking about. Our society has it just like theirs did. Watch out. He gives another word right after it. So once you've identified them, watching identifies, right? Avoid. Avoid them. Wow, this sounds kind of harsh. Judgmental. Like I'm just supposed to get away from them? And I'll just tell you this. Titus 3 uh, says... Warn a man twice when they've taught wrongly. Warn him twice, then have nothing to do with them. Divisive speech is not to be toyed with. All right? Be very careful with being patient with one teaching doctrine against what Scripture says. Uh, In fact, he goes a step further here and he says, For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Clear enough? Like, that's a problem. Do not unwind God's word and then call it a ministry for God. We're done with that plan. And there does need to be a level of avoiding. And I want to be careful with that. Romans 12 is still in play. If this person claims to be a believer, there's a level of loving them and wanting the best for them. But do not separate from truth to get it done. Okay, and so no to like having constant built up relationship with them where you ignore the fact that they keep teaching wrong doctrine. Avoid that. And uh, does it mean you can't ever talk with them at all? Well, no, I wouldn't say that, but I would say the conversation better get around to your disagreement with what they're teaching pretty fast. You know what I'm saying? And uh, if you're not getting to that point, then you're not really doing the avoiding and avoid here. It literally means to don't spend time with. And uh, let's just leave it at that. And if you have questions on this and you're running into this, we want to help. Call. We as pastors would love to spend some time working through with you what's going on and giving some advice and counsel on how to balance a Romans 12 with a Romans 16 to get this thing done. Okay? Be careful. Truth is an important thing. And uh, it does say to uh, watch out and avoid. And uh, I'm just telling you, uh, I've told you this in an illustration before, so I'll move quickly through it. But, you know, John has done a lot of triathlons. And the one that she did a couple, like a year and a half ago, a half Ironman. And uh, she was uh, riding up. She hadn't gotten there yet. We were standing at a crossroads waiting for her to get there on the bike. And uh, some guys were going this way. And uh, one guy zipped that way. I mean, dude was just ripped. You know, he's, he drives by and you're like, dang, that guy's in shape. And he goes off. And as he's comes back, his handlebars are sideways and he's got scrapes all down his side. And I'm like, bro, are you okay? He pulls up and he stops. I'm like, do you need me to give you a ride somewhere? And uh, he's like, oh, I'm all right. I hit a pothole and I wiped out and bike is messed up. And I don't know. And I think I'm out of the race. I think I broke my arm. <laughs> Stop pedaling. I don't know. So as we get an ambulance for him and he gets in. So another guy comes riding down and he's like, man, I hit a paddle. I gave myself a flat tire. It took me 20 minutes to fix. And he's screaming it at the guy who's like running the race right there, zips past. And in comes my wife now and she goes up the road and uh, we're waiting to cheer her on. And she isn't coming and she isn't coming and she isn't coming. And all of a sudden, a guy rides by that rode past behind her, and no way he passed her. And he says, hey, somebody wiped out back there. And I'm like, oh, man, 
we got to go get mom. I jump in the truck, rip up there, probably a little illegal, but ripped up there. I'm like, we got to get to her. We go up there and luckily she hadn't gone down. It just gave her a flat and she couldn't get the thing filled. Right. And uh, just so you know, I took her about an hour to get the thing filled. She got back on the track and finished the half Ironman. I'll leave that out there. But but uh, what they ended up doing is orange cones all around the thing. And a guy standing there from then on going, get that way. Right. Watch out and avoid. That's what he's talking about. Like when you've seen something come up that doesn't go square or right, it's time to call it out and get people away from it. And that's what he's talking about here. All right. Uh, be careful, even though you, they may uh, sound kind. It says, for such persons do not serve our Lord, but their own appetites, literally their bellies, it says. And uh, like they're just going off to what feels good, what tastes good. It says, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Are you hearing it? They're not dominant, dictatorial, mean they're gentle and tender and smooth and flattering and, and uh, be careful. Don't get off the doctrine of God's word that's going to rip you up. One savior, one king, one plan, all of eternity. He's our God. We know of him through his word. We will not be moved off of that position. May God be glorified. And all of God's people said, Amen. stay on it, man. And, uh, says, for your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil. I love that phrase. Wise to what is good, innocent to what is evil. And uh, some think this is a description of Adam and Eve. You know, when they were actually uh, innocent to what was evil. And he's like, I want you to not even know what it looks like. And uh, what a great prayer, by the way, for parents. Lord, may my child grow up to be wise to what is good and innocent to what is evil. Does that not give directive on where you're headed, your child? And uh, what a sweet prayer. And, uh, and he says, uh, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. This is clearly a Genesis 3.15 analogy here. It says to Adam, it says, just so you know, your heel will crush his head. And right, it's talking very clearly to somehow man's going to have solution over this serpent that unwound it all. And somehow man's going to be over it and nobody gets how. And well, here's the answer. God will crush Satan under your feet. Jesus Christ will crush him. Genesis 3.15 is the first statement of evangelism, of hope, of good news. There will be victory. Satan will be done. Rebellion will be over. Jesus Christ will be in charge. God will be glorified. And this battle as we know it on earth is done. There's a point where we will literally for eternity worship our king and celebrate our king with nothing distracting us. Man, I can't wait for that spot. Will that not be awesome? Amen. Amen. The God will crush Satan. Crush. That is not a good word, man. And uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And uh, I love the Oscars. Uh, I usually watch about six minutes of it. <laughs> but I love it. And, uh, you know, where you watch it and somebody gets a, an award and they win and they come up and, and they're like all surprised and they're, some of them are teary and some of them are, you know, out of control and they do things and they say things and they say thanks to like a million people. Right. 
And then they're about ready to get done, right? And then the guys behind them that were a part of the team, it's like their turn. And the music's already starting to ramp up. And so now you see them leaning in over the top. And they're like, hey, and we thank Bill, the coordinator over the... Right? And you see these last-minute yell-ins of thanks, right? All right, that's what we have going on now. Ready? Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. Timothy's like screaming into the mic as the music's coming up here. The letter's done. Nothing's been said. And it's like, Timothy's like, hey, 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 tell him I said hey. Right? And Tertius is like, uh, and I, Tertius, who wrote the letter, greet you. I've been penning all this stuff. I'm saying hey at least. Right? And so Tertius, I'm saying hey. And and uh, and Gaius, who is the a host, and uh, to me and to the whole church, he greets you. And... Uh, are you hearing it? Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. This is like the last minute, the guys with Paul, the ones who are standing there saying, hey, tell them we said hey too. And uh, they got the message out. Like, you guys matter to us. And uh, avoid the divisive. Hang with the dedicated. Even encourage them. All right? And uh, I'm just telling you, uh, he says, God will crush Satan. I can tell you this, I hate snakes. I hate snakes. I don't know why, they're, really, they're pretty small, and for the most part, you usually can dominate at some level, And but they just give me the willies. And I remember one time up at my dad's farm, he had a snake in there, and uh, the thing had let, shed its skin, okay? And, and uh, he called a friend who happened to be a police officer up there, and he came over, because we don't know anything about snakes, and this skin is big man it was like six foot seven foot long and the cop walks in to the garage and he goes what are you talking about oh boy and he grabs his gun we're standing next to him and we're like well i don't know what you're doing but we're out of you know he grabs his gun and he goes like this is that not freaky seven foot snake above you somewhere he goes and he's like that's a bull snake. They climb and bite. I'm like, I'm out of the garage. Why are you standing in there? And he said, I'm just telling you, he lost his skin, so he's going to be very temperamental right now. Get out. I'm like, I'm headed to the house. My dad's like, he starts laughing at me. He's like, what are you afraid of? I'm like, I'm not afraid. I'm getting a gun. I'm going in the house and I'm getting a gun. And he's like, no, 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 just let it go. If you open the door, it'll sneak out at night and go down into the ravine and it'll, everything will be fine. And so we did that and the snake snuck out. I still have never gone in my dad's garage again the same way. And uh, uh, I'm just telling you, watch out. Satan is a snake, a destroyer. He does intend to bite. He goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. This is a war, and it's on. And uh, your call is to stand in there strong. And your call is to encourage those who are and stay away from those who are tearing you down and doing the work of Satan for them. And uh, be done with that. May your God be glorified in all you do. Okay? Last piece. Glorify your awesome God. Glorify your awesome God. And uh, just a few words I want to say here. What is it? One, two, three, four, five, six words. All right. First word. God has a solution. The word is solution. 
It says, now to him who is able to strengthen you. God will pour in his strength. You are not going head to head with Satan or anything else without your God behind you. He is able to strengthen you. Everybody say he is able. God's got it in hand solution. All right. And, uh, number two, he has plan. He has a plan. And, uh, it says right after it that according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to our God. He has a plan. And he's revealing it in his word. You trust his word and you go after it with all you've got. And uh, next, authority. It says to bring, or I'm sorry, I skipped a piece. According to the command of the eternal God. God says it, so it is. Eternal God. Like time does not hold him down. From eternity past to eternity future and everything happening right now. And God is in all places at once and nothing holds him back. The eternal God, he has this thing in hand. He's strengthening you along the way. And he's communicating through his word about how it's coming down. God's got solution. He's got plan. He's got authority. He's got result that's going to happen. It says to bring about the obedience of faith. You obeying him that's the plan and i'm telling you i've heard too many people who are like oh yeah i've trusted christ i i did this thing i prayed a prayer i threw a stick in the fire i stood up one time i and uh, did anything ever change in your life nothing but but i did that so be very careful if you are not seeing a progression of obedience in your life be very careful we say it this way a faith that saves is a faith that changes. May we be growing. And uh, it doesn't mean we're measuring second by second or minute by minute, but the Lord speaking and you seeing and you going after it. And if you're in that spot where you're like, I have never seen a thing going on in my life. Dude, today is the day for salvation. It's time to be done with the self trip and on with God in charge. Confess him as your Lord. It's the peace missing. You're in charge of my life, God. And, uh, all right. And then the last piece, purpose. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. To the only wise God be glory forevermore. And uh, you want to get the point of the book of Romans? Glory forevermore. Amen. And uh, I wrote this down. Let's just get Romans down and we'll close this out. Romans 1 through 3. His glory trampled. Are you seeing where we got the title from now? His glory trampled. Yes, we stepped on him. We made it much of me. I will go after my stuff. I've missed the mark. I've come up short. I've sinned. I'm in need of a savior. Trampled on his glory. Romans 4 and 5. His glory restored. Jesus Christ at the cross, hope in him, faith in him, salvation, rich and free. Nothing I could ever do to earn it, but he's done the work on the cross. Praise be to God. His glory restored. Romans 6 and 7, his glory unleashed. 
Man, he didn't just do something that's good for eternity. Later on, heaven, it's right here and right now. We get to taste of him and know of him. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. Go after it lovingly celebratory your god's got it as he's pouring his strength into you right we saw today he's able as he's pouring that strength in then you go forward with him taking a battle of sin on romans 8 his glory experienced and the holy spirit pouring in and you're adopted as children and he prays on your behalf and nothing can separate you from the love of god in christ jesus our lord and there is therefore now no condemnation because of the work he's doing in us romans 8 his glory experienced as you taste victory and then romans 9 through 11 his glory elevated Our God is, yes, his sovereignty even plays into the salvation and God at work in the midst. It's amazing how his hand is through all of this as he expresses his glory. And then Romans 12 through 16, his glory lived out. If he did all that for me. What should I be doing as I get filled with him to the rim and it starts spilling over? Who do I go after and how do I go after caring for them? And that's the loving him, the serving within the church, the uh, listening to authorities, Romans 13, the working with the stronger and the weaker, 14 and 15. My God glorified as I encourage those that are sacrificing for him and I avoid those that are tearing it down. His glory will be lifted up his glory will be declared the purpose of this church is all about his glory and all of god's people said man if you're not on that bandwagon get on it with us our god must be glorified the book of romans says this simply he will be glorified jump on in and enjoy the ride watch god work may we worship our god with all we've got and call him majesty in charge that's our call let's pray